And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. Lions season has ended, uh, but we're still rolling on here. I'm, of course, Dick Bumgarner, along with Colton Pouncey. And, Colton, we've got a uh, unique season finale game here i think to talk about uh one of the most unique ones i can i can probably remember i think you know based on how it how it went for the lions um the fan reaction just the 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 mood the vibe and everything else first of all how are you doing and second of all do you agree because that's that's a pretty unique way to end a regular season in the nfl i would say not a lot of teams sort of have that and uh yeah pretty interesting yeah, no doubt. Um, I'm good. But yeah, just coming back from Green Bay and, and seeing how that all went down, like I, I don't know too many instances of that specific right. situation happening where like, you know, you kind of find your your fate before the game. Like I think they're out for pregame warmups. It was around like seven thirty right. uh, Eastern time when they kind of found out that they had been eliminated, and that didn't phase them at all. I mean, Campbell said during the week we're either going to be playing spoiler or we're going to be you know playing for a spot in, and end up being spoiler. But uh, they didn't change their mentality at all. Um, they went out there and um, they wanted to show, you know, they wanted that Sunday night That's slot. Right. They wanted they wanted to show what they can do. They wanted to show that how far they've come, the improvement they've made over the last, you know, two months really. And they wanted to show that to a national audience. So for them, like that was always part of the objective. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you want to get into the playoffs, but if that's not, you know, realistic anymore, like the the second part of that didn't change for them. So. Um, I thought they played a really sound football game against a team that has kind of dominated this division for years. And I mean, that's part of it. When you watched uh, like the videos that they put out after the game, they had like a 20 minute like, <laughs> yeah, the highlight cut, yeah. <laughs> of the game. And I was watching that last night and I'm seeing Penny Sewell, like 22 years old, just turned 22 in October. Yep, just did. And he's going out in, in the middle of the huddle, getting those guys ready to play. I know. Um, saying that we knew that we'd have to come here to win a game like this at the end of the season. Um you know, Taylor Decker was a big part of that. He was saying, look, we want some respect. we got to win games like this. And yeah. that was sort of the objective. That was the mindset for them. And um, they did what they set out to do. I think that, um, you know, you can look at it a couple of ways. You know, like people have said, it's almost the best possible ending you could dream up, right? The best would have been maybe they made the playoffs. Um, and I can understand yeah. that. Maybe the best possible ending is they make the playoffs to get on a run, win a game or two. And, you know, people are like, oh, my God, you know, they're so far ahead of schedule. But frankly, for me, I think that in the real world, um, this is almost kind of like the best. This is pretty hard to beat, I think I would say. I don't know about best, but this is tough to beat because if they had won, if they had gotten in, they would be going to San Francisco here, right? And I've not, yeah. you know, <laughs> I don't think that would go so well. They're pretty good, okay? I'm just going to tell you. They're really good. I don't think that the yeah. Lions are necessarily ready for that. Uh, I think they were ready for what Green Bay had, and that was a, a, a stage that they needed to show, and we'll get into all that, show what they had. But for me, it's like, okay, you get to end the season on the perfect note. It's almost like a team winning a bowl game. And this is like a this yeah. team reminds me of a college team in so many ways and how close they are. And, you know, that's not something that I don't think you can always carry over year to year. And that'll be Dan Campbell's challenge. But that's what it felt like. It felt like, you know, we've covered, you've covered that. Uh, I certainly have. You know, you cover a team at the end of a great year that wins their bowl game. And they feel like, well, damn, we're the best team in the country. We just got accident. We just ran out of time, or we would have been in the championship game, and we'd have beat the shit yeah. out of anybody. Like, that's what the Lions felt like when they ended that game. And to go into an offseason knowing that you're going to get a lot of those guys back because they're, like, on their second or third year of the rookie deal, like, that's pretty good. And just not a lot of teams have that vibe. The Jags, who I've told you, we've talked about all year, the Lions doppelganger. They're gonna have. They're gonna test my theory because they're they're in, and they've had the same yeah. type of year, and so I yeah. guess we'll see, right? But like those two teams right there, man, perfect. You can't really. I mean, just about in the football sense. I don't know how you could ask for more. Really don't. Yeah, you know, I I know a lot of people wanted the Rams to beat the Seahawks. Uh, yeah, this is still, fair enough. I, I was, understand that. Yeah, this was still a great ending, though. I mean, 
you're going to get a game against Green Bay regardless. You know, you know that. Like whether you have yeah. another one after that, that's just that would be a cherry on top. Like this, this team was not supposed to make the playoffs this year. The fact that they got this close at all is just super impressive. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of speaks to they are ahead of schedule in a way. Um, yeah. They do feel like they can win playoff games. Like I think Brad Holmes said it on Tuesday that they felt they could have done some damage in the playoffs, but you didn't get there. But you still have a game in front of a national audience um, to kind of show that you're not, you know, the same old Lions. Um, right. And that's something that they wanted to do. Like all these players in the locker room, like after the game, like you would have thought they won a bowl game. I did sort of have that feel, right. especially at Lambeau Field, which is like a college environment. That was really cool, kind of walking around the stadium. Before the yeah. game, seeing everyone just, you know, tailgating, having a good time. It felt like a college game at night. Um, and they went out there and they and they won it. And in a way, it kind of reminds me of, like, Michigan State in 2021, where, like, they're coming off a 2-5 and five season. It was kind of disappointing, but they bounced back and went 11-2 and two and kind of, like, you know, raised the expectations for what it should be. So I guess my only question going into this year, <laughs> I, you know, yeah. I think it's good that they didn't make the playoffs in, in, in 2022, the Lions, because – that might have warped expectations a little bit more. And I think this kind of this kind of like grounds them a little bit. It brings them back to reality. Like, look, the reason why we didn't make the playoffs, we went one and six to start. So we're not anywhere close to where we need to be. Um, but I think they'll use this, you know, that whole one and six start to, as, as motivation. Like if we started even two and five instead of one and six, yeah. we're probably in the playoffs. So I think Dan right. Campbell's going to use that message. He's going to let them know, look, we haven't arrived yet. We're getting there, but we're not there yet. We're not a finished product. Nine and eight, it's a good season, but yeah. it's not like they went like, you know, twelve and five. So they've got work to do, but at the same time, it's hard not to be excited about the future with this team and what they're doing and the direction they're going. I'm about to date myself here. Uh have you ever seen Major League, the movie? Major League, the baseball movie, Major yes. League One and Two. Okay, good. So you know what I'm talking about. Major League, the band of fools, and then they all get their like their big heads, right? And then the next year. Yeah. They come back and it's yeah. like they're all. They, uh, Willie Mays Hayes has a Visa card commercial and all this shit, right? Like that is not going to happen. It's going to be super easy, I think, to your point, to reel them in because, like, yeah, there are so many things to point to this year, including the Carolina game, which was just a couple of weeks ago, where it's like, look, guys, you actually had this kind of on a platter. You kind of screwed it up. You, yeah. you know, I mean, if we really want to be serious about, it, and that's what they'll tell them in the summer. I mean, you know, that's. Mm-hmm. That's what this conversation changes to, you know, now because of the way they played and the way they finished. But, I mean, that's a really good point that it's not going to be very difficult to hold this team's attention, I don't think, through the offseason. You talk about guys like, you know, Holmes talked about Jamison Williams, um, you know, how this year was such a wash type of year and they expected that. But, like, they expect so much from him. But it's like, hey, man, that's only going to come, though, if uh, you learn how to run a route the way that it yeah. needs to be run on some of these, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that that is a really good point. They end the year in a great place confidence wise, but also fully aware that they have a, a lot of work still firmly in front of them in like every area yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I think steady growth is like really yeah. important. And the reason why I brought up Michigan state is like they went 11 and two last year. I didn't think they would go 11 and two this year. Right. Um, and they didn't. And, and now they did not. It's a little bit lower. <laughs> right. You know, they, when you lose some players like that, it's a little of different. Of course. It's college, a different but situation, but I get what you're saying. It is. Totally. But yeah, I think this year was just like, okay, steady increase is the mm-hmm. best way to start, you know, rebuild, to start um, a new tenure. Like they went 313 and one. Even then, Campbell said that team was special the way they finished. Yeah, the, the way they finished. Like that. Yeah. Um, he really liked that. He thought it was kind of going to set them in motion for 2022. Didn't exactly happen that way. They start off one and six, but you can blame injuries and some, you know, some decision making back then. But they really turned things around. They finished the year eight and two. Yeah. Um, you missed the playoffs. I think in a way that that can benefit them in the long run. That's I, I guess that's, that's my point. That's what Campbell pretty much said. Something. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you have something to look forward to, another goal that you haven't yet hit. Um, they hit a lot of a lot of goals, a lot of those marks this year. You know, tripling their win total, um, winning road games, like all those things were kind of things that they needed to do. And yeah. they accomplished a lot of that, but now the next step, and I think it's it's fair to do this in year three now, um, oh, yeah. compete for the NFC North. And that's what Holmes said. That's what Campbell said. They're all on the same page now. They feel like they've shown enough to where that statement is not going to make people laugh. It's not going to get a certain reaction. They feel yeah, um, it's what they need. It's the next step in, the, in this rebuild, the next step in this uh, this turnaround, I guess. I think I love that Campbell said that the other week um, mm-hmm. after that game. I don't know if I, I was there for Holmes. Did he say exactly that, the division? I think he kind of did, right? The, yeah, I agree with Dan more or less. 
Like, I was glad that they said that because that's, it would have been, and it's not, I, I don't want this to come across this way because it's not easy. This isn't easy, but it would have been easier to just be like, well, now our goal is to just get in. We were right there, one break away, but now we just got to get in and that'll be progress. That's yeah. not necessarily what these gentlemen have said. Like, it's like, yes, that will be, but also, you know, our goal here was we thought realistically, if we did this right, we could be contending in this division. And I would tell you that, I would say that's probably based not just on their faith in their own process. And we're going to talk about this here right now. This is a, this is the segue. That is based on the Bears. That is based on the Vikings. And that is based on the team. They just beat for the third straight time with a quarterback who's 42 years old or whatever he is and <laughs> spends more time on Pat McAfee's show than he does scouting the Detroit Lions. Um, they've announced... Now, verbally and I think physically to the NFC North that they're coming for it. And I think that that is, they've announced it on the field, right? And I think that that is um, pretty cool to, to for, for a lot of people here. And that's the biggest thing that they're wrapping their heads around, I think, the most. Is like, you have a team and a coaching staff now that firmly believes and has, you know, every right to believe this. That they are going to enter next season uh, believing they can win that division straight up when the year starts, it starts to win yeah. just as much as it would be the Vikings or whoever else, right? And, um, you know, Deshaun Elliott made the comments to you guys um, a couple days before the game about how Rodgers doesn't respect us. Uh, I did not hear Aaron say he was wrong <laughs> in any of that <laughs> bullshit after the game. So, look, I mean, I'll ask you, Colton, like, that's three straight against Green Bay, and frankly, I got to tell you, I think it's, at least this year, Aaron Rodgers did not have a good day in the middle of the season. This one was a ass-kicking. This one was an ass, this one was just like, we'll take your best shot. you got to get into the playoffs, and you just got, they kneeled the ball out, like, what was it, on the 10? Whatever the hell it was. <laughs> they kneeled the ball out in the red zone at Lambeau, for God's sake, and the Green Bay had to win it, had to, win it to get in. Like, that is insane. So I asked you, Colton, yeah. like, we just talked about it. Yeah, but, like, that's a real deal. That looked like a playoff team that if they got in, I wouldn't want to play them. That's what that looked like. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather play yeah. the Seahawks than the Lions right yeah, now. I think right. <laughs> most most playoff teams would agree with that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that was – I think Campbell said in the locker room that was uh, – they were going to get the, the Packers' best shot, and, right. and they did because the Packers needed to win that game. Like, they were – it's not like they were just coasting in Week 18. It no. wasn't – you know, we're playing the, the back, we're playing Jordan yeah. Love. This right. was a this was a play play in your in, winning your in game for the Packers. Um and the Lions just like even when they were trailing early, like I still felt like oh, the yeah. Lions were in pretty good shape when they're holding the field goals. Like Aaron Rodgers, I think a lot of people got it twisted that like he's the reason behind their four game winning streak at the end of the season. He was not playing like that much better no. than he was like earlier in the year. Like he we had a pretty like, mediocre year. Yeah. <laughs> So, like, I don't know. Like, it felt like the Packers, you know, their backs were against the wall. Like, they needed to win that game. And they just, like, laid an egg to the Lions. 100%. Like, and, like, that's different. Like, how many times do you see that against the Lions? And the Lions, to their credit, like, they were a fourth and four, fourth and five away from going six and zero in the division this year. And they right. still went five and one. <laughs> like, that's insane. <laughs> like, it's dominated this division. And people are saying, oh, I don't know. Campbell's going to take that like, decision to the grave with him. As he's yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he will. He hates it. Someone, someone brought it up again he like last week. He still gets mad about it. <laughs> Man, why do you got to ask me about that? <laughs> but, uh, I mean, look, that's part of the process mm -hmm. too, right? Like you learned yep. that was week three of the season. And, you know, they went. They had a chance to go for it this one. It was fourth and one. You win the game if you get it. And he went for it and they, and they got it. And the, right. that set up the victory formation at the end of the game. And the the it, yeah. celebration that ensued. So, I thought that was uh, – I wrote about that in my, in my story. I thought that was um, kind of a, a moment of growth for him. Full circle moment, if you will. Yeah. So just so many things that you can look back at that game, like from the, the pregame warm-ups, pregame speeches, um, like they showed like some sideline footage. Like after every position, they're like every possession in that game, yeah. they would pan over like Taylor Decker in the recap video and he's just like, Come on, boys, like we got this. Like right. next play, next play. Uh that I mean, I thought that was really cool to see. It shows you like this Lions team believes yeah. that they're only a play away from getting back into a game or whatever. So um, that should be the mindset they should take in the next year. It's hard to capture some of the magic of this year when you're on the come up, right? Like you're mm -hmm. trying to prove yourself. Like there's always going to be that extra motivating factor. And I guess now the challenge is how do you bottle that up and, and take it into next year? And I think Campbell will do a good job of that just because 
you know, he's sort of this master motivator in a way. But yeah, it is going to be a question. Like this was a special year with this group for what they did, going from one and six to eight and two. Even if you miss the playoffs, like doing that, you have to be a special group to to make it happen. So I think they're the third team to finish with a winning record after starting like one and six. Wow. Yeah, like thirteen NFL history. That that's that's special. And now a lot of those dudes will be back. Expectations will be higher. How do you handle it? That's the question yeah. going forward. Well, you mentioned the motivating factor there, you know, and I and I think the motivating factor so far has been show your growth, show show who you are, you know, like show the best of yourself, and like represent mm-hmm. us every time we go out. Like Holmes said, they were kind of getting mad that they hadn't got any of those um, primetime games. Like it was the first time we got this because they want to show the free agents and everything too, and prospective coaches. Yes. Um, you know, for any job that comes open for, for now until God knows when, like, this is who we're about. Go show yourself. Be, let that be the motivating factor. And I think that that is the best way to do it. And I think that that's why, like you said it earlier a second ago, um, you know, you never really thought even when that game starts and they're down or whatever it was, or maybe they're not scoring that the golf's got the glove on and people are getting pissed, you know, about some of these throws. <laughs> Going to the West Coast quarterback and everything, right? But Campbell gave that interview on the sideline. Was it Melissa? Who was the – I don't remember the sideline reporter. Forgive me on that. But he yeah. gave that interview with the dip coming out of his mouth there at like the end – I think it was the beginning <laughs> of the second quarter, and I think they're trailing. Either that or it was tied or whatever, but it wasn't really – they weren't – you know, it was whatever. And the question straight up was like, why are you guys playing so hard, more or less? And he's just like, because, you know what, we just screw them, basically like to hell with them. And it's like this yeah. was the most – for me, well, I'm watching this, and I'm glad it's the most – number one, that's the most Dan Campbell thing ever. Number two, it's the most Detroit thing ever. And number three, that is a 1,000% what they are right there. That's just the whole thing, the whole kneecaps thing. There was actually a kneecap shirt in the background when he was talking, right? <laughs> like, that's the whole thing right there in a nutshell. Everybody got to see it completely and totally. He talked about to them in the preseason the speech that he gave where Kabinda's eyes are coming out of his head about how we're going to drag people out and we're going to sit there in the water until you just don't, you know, have what it takes anymore because we're always, that's them. And that was that game on display. And I feel like for them to be able to put that on display for themselves, they've done that for themselves, I think, multiple times. Now to be able to let everyone see it was a huge deal for them, confidence-wise, everything else, because all they're going to see all that all this offseason is this is a legit football team with legit players and everybody probably should have known that six weeks ago, and now they certainly do. Yeah. I also think there's a really good balance there with, with – and I think Campbell mentioned this the other day – between Campbell and Goff. Because Campbell's like, look, man, I'm in the locker room. I'm hyping these guys up. I'm, I'm getting them yeah, ready to true. play, ready to go. <laughs> and then I turn to Goff, and I'm like, hey, man, hey, calm these guys down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Let, let them – like reshape the focus a little bit. <laughs> So, so Campbell's like the hype guy. Goff's like, all right, guys, like, yeah. let's actually like be smart out there. Let's go play stick to our assignments. So I think they have a it's a really good dynamic they have. Um, but yeah, Campbell, I th- you know, I think during his uh, one of the, one of the speeches, he's like, either we're not getting in or they're not. Yeah, uh, we don't want them to get in either. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that was absolutely the mindset that they played with in that game. Like you yep. see it from the first snap to the last. Um, like. They love the idea of playing under the lights. I assume they'll get more next year. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, I would think so. Their schedule Early, next probably. year actually shapes up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they've got some pretty marquee games on the schedule next year. So yeah. I assume they'll get more. That's um, the thing people forget. When the Lions are good, and it's rare because they're never good. But when they are, like, they're actually, like, in 2011, they were on prime time because they were good. Like, Stafford was legit. Stu was there and young. I remember that. They were on primetime like right away, a couple times. I could see them on primetime a couple times next year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I can too. I mean, you got a few late nights there, season. my man. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was rough. I'll, I'll say that. that was, I think I finished writing at like, I don't know, 2 a.m., something like that. Your travel time? Um, yeah. Oh, my God. But it was fun. It was fun. Last game of the year, finally get one. That was cool. Uh, but these players, man, like, I'm telling you, in the locker room after the game, like, you think that they were going to throw like a pizza party in there? <laughs> like that's kind of the vibe. It's like a, like a third grade party. School was out. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was like yeah. Even in locker cleanouts, like last day of school, you know. Yeah, that's uh, what it felt like for sure. Uh, Kirby Joseph had like two game balls in his locker and uh, was saying, "Oh, if I picked off Aaron Rodgers for the last time, I'm gonna send him one of these balls to sign. I don't know if he's gonna sign it, but I'm gonna send it to him." <laughs> he was saying Good that. Uh, Deshaun Elliott. I asked him like, "What did I ask him?" I think I said, um, "Are other teams lucky?" That you didn't get in the playoffs, 
Yeah. He was like, hell yeah, we're lucky. We would have known they asses. <laughs> so, uh, that was that was funny. Like, the guys were in a good mood. Um, yeah. They, they were, I mean, obviously, like, you want to make it into the playoffs. But right. they know that there's a process to this. Yeah. A lot of those guys know that they'll be back. They know they'll have a chance to kind of take that next step in 2023. And I think that's why you saw some of the reactions you did because they felt like this was a turning point season. So, yeah, they left really going. And I, and I think that that's fair to say. I think this game encapsulated that, right? I think all the things that have made it a turning point season from Jared Goff having, you know, not his best stuff early in that game to finding it and then making some amazing, including the throw he makes the Khalif Raymond. That throw. Best throw. One of the best throws you'll see all season. I think top 10 for sure. Top five, yes. probably. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking about it, by the way. No, and it's like because <laughs> so casual. Well, because I think that that game was a great example of what people get frustrated sometimes with around here, where it's like, well, the lines are actually good, but you spent more time on that talking about how it was a coverage mistake from Green Bay, which you know, I mean, hey, I get that, but that's also part of the process of that you're going to have to overcome. However, yeah, the reason why they get to this point and they win, like I said, I mean, it you, he makes plays, the run game closes it out. You have Campbell and Ben Johnson making decisions uh, with the with the the hook and ladder there that they're being bold enough to do it. And then more than that, more than that, defensively, you just take away. They just take them away. They just Green Bay had been running the, running the ball better. Not today. Uh, Rodgers hadn't been playing as poorly, and the Lions made him play horribly twice. And it was just the young guys, the guys who are going to be here, the guys who they've invested in. You look across the board here now, uh, any young player, they've, and it's pretty much been all young players, but anybody they've invested in with any kind of sizable whatever, and I'd be it one year, two years and beyond, has pretty much panned out in the last. I mean, it, there were mistakes early in 2021, but since the midway point of that, man, it has been pretty much every button that has needed to be pushed has been pushed. And I think that game showed it. Aiden's making plays. Kaminsky's making plays. Every guy that they needed made plays. Kirby, yeah, down the list. Yeah, I was gonna say Kirby got the interception. Aiden had two sacks in that game, which yeah. like, still feels like it went under the radar. He finished with nine and a half yeah. of the year. Like, Ridiculous! What a season for him. Um, you know, Rodrigo is still out there. I think he finished with like 83, 87 tackles. Something as like a rookie, the year, one of the best linebackers. Yeah, we had him on the. We had Aiden, Kirby, Joseph, and uh, Malcolm Rodriguez on our all rookie team. And we had him there at the midseason, and we had him there at the end. What does that say? Did, uh, did Houston make it? <laughs> he made the honorable mention. We did put there him on go. there. Uh, Nate Tice calls him the DH, <laughs> the designated hitter. Uh, Houston, he comes <laughs> in for sacks only. Yeah. So we did put him on there as the honorable mention. But, yes, go ahead. Houston, by the way, uh, said – he said this in the locker room um, on Monday that he sat down with Aaron Glenn after his first game where he got two sacks yeah. and said, my goal for the year – is to get 10 sacks. He didn't play until like week 12, <laughs> whatever it was. He said he wanted to get 10 sacks in like the final like five games or something like yeah. that. And AG was like, I think you can get there. And he finished with eight. And he was like, yeah, I'm kind of disappointed I get, didn't get to 10, but I guess I'll take eight. It's My like, God. bro, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's this rookie class, man. Like, yes, really not good. even the rookie class, like the, the second year guys and the rookie class, like those two classes together. What a foundation that's been laid by Brad Holmes and, and Campbell identifying those guys. Like Penny Sewell is already like leading team huddles at age 22. Um, yeah. I'm Ross St. Brown. I don't know if you saw St. Brown. Uh, I think it was after DJ Chark's first down catch uh, to basically end the game. Mm-hmm. He like stepped forward and did a Jair Alexander's like celebration thing. Oh right my God. Amazing. Like <laughs> he's, a, he's a Penny He's King. incredible. Like, <laughs> You see so, the podcast like, that he like, has with his brother after the Bears game? Yeah, it's great. It's oh great. my god, yeah. this guy! Uh, yeah, they've nailed it. They've nailed it with the pillars, right? We're going to talk about the bigger picture here in the sec in a second, but this is a great way to end this part. They've nailed it with the pillars: Hutchinson, Sewell. Uh, we talked about Sewell being the offensive pillar that you you put your in the ground. Hutchinson's that guy on defense, and St. Brown is the like sleeper MVP type thing that that was your that's Brad Holmes's masterpiece those are the guys those are the guys right there that this team will revolve around for the foreseeable future and when they talk about standard and whatever um that's it they said it because like anybody who doesn't understand what I'm talking about what next time you're at a Lions game 
and I know a lot of people who listen to the show go to the games, watch friggin' Sewell like 10 minutes before the game starts and how serious oh, yeah. and the rituals mm-hmm. and the things. And Hutchinson's down there talking to himself. St. Brown catches 700 balls a day. I mean, this is – that's the team. that You know what I'm saying? Like, that yeah. is the football team. And that is going to be the football team for the foreseeable future. And I think that it's it's best to, to highlight those things that St. Brown is on a podcast being like, I told you we were going to beat the shit out of you, and we did. Like, that's who <laughs> they <his> are. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that's yeah. who they are. They don't shy away from it. They're really tough, and they just don't care. Like, that's the team. They've drafted so well, and those three guys, I think, are really where the money's at for this whole thing because they're so young. Um, they've embraced being here from the minute it started. They don't really – this team could have been in Alaska. It wouldn't have mattered, and they would have been happy to you know, be playing pro football. And I think they all respect each other, see that about each other, and it's just a great trio to sort of lead this whole thing going forward. It's going to be something where they're all like 25, 26. Like, they're not yeah. even in their prime yet. It's crazy. I know. And it's like, and people, I think the next thing is, you know, w- when you talk about who gets paid and whatever, but yeah, I mean, you've got three guys right there that I think are Pro Bowl perennial, Pro Bowl type football players. Like, when we talk about yep. the uh, um, St. Brown is Heinz Ward come back to life in so many ways. I mean, that's just how he plays and who he is. Uh, as a player, uh, people have asked me so many times about Aiden. I think Max Crosby is still one of the best, you know, comps for him. Maybe, maybe more. You know, I don't know. There could be more in there. I think that there's coverage pieces to his game that he doesn't even know about yet yeah. <laughs> that are possibly there. And uh, you know, Sewell, I again, I I would put him up there with Slater and Darisaw and any of the best uh, young. I think we'll talk about Penny Sewell like we talk about Worfs in probably two years and um that's that's the team and i think that that's the that's the ultimate sort of thing right now that i think about a lot you know we talk about that but it's like man you don't see that in, in a lot of football teams across the league you tell me a lot of other teams that have anchor tackle anchor edge and like a stud who can just get the ball on third down and make a play that's kind of a winning recipe is it not it is. It's a great foundation to have, great core. Like as yep. the, if those three are the faces of your franchise, you're in good shape. I think they are. Right I, you know what I mean? Like, and I think it's that's that's been what this season has been. I think for me anyway, um, that's what it's that's what it. I thought it would be, and I thought it needed to be for them to be successful, and it sort of has been. But I do want to take a quick break here, and we're going to come back to the other side, Colton. And I think what we could talk some about um, what's coming up next. Uh, we did talk with, and we'll get more into in the coming weeks here. I think on. Um, Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and everything they said. We'll talk about some of the immediate stuff, the draft, things of that nature. Uh, So stick with us. Uh, We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody, we're back. Another episode of one of these years wrapping up the regular season for the Lions, or I guess the season in general as Lions head into the offseason here. Uh, Lions had locker room clean out earlier this week. Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell talked. Suppose, I don't think Colton, they'll probably won't talk again here for... A while, they won't be at the Senior Bowl this year. They didn't earn that one, <laughs> so that's good for them. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And well, they probably some of them might be the whole staff and whatnot, but I don't know. Combine maybe there's something before that. I don't know, but it might be a while. In any event, yeah, there are things. Hey man, this is my first off season. Don't ask yeah, me. Yeah, right. I'm not asking. <laughs> I shouldn't ask you. That's a good point. No, no. So in Very any good. event, uh, there, there obviously there are things for them to tie up, and there are questions to be answered, and all this, that, and the other. Um, but more than anything, uh, th- this week is always about sort of tying up, like, what what the year was, what it wasn't. We've talked about, you know, what certain guys had to do, what they didn't have to do, all that sort of thing. And the number one guy on my list, and I know you wrote about a lot of this stuff, too. Number one guy on my list was Goff. Um, going into the year, obviously, for everybody else, too, I think it's probably – that's probably true. And, you know, the conversation around him has shifted drastically as this team has shifted, you know, sort of as it does with quarterbacks, right? Um from one that, you know, maybe he can work his way into a bridge player to I think it's graduated into we shouldn't give up on quarterbacks as early as, as we do. And more important, most important, context is everything. Context matters so much about what's around a quarterback, um, who's around him, uh, who he's working with, you know, personality, all of it. And for me, this is a great example. This season has been a great example of one. Jared Goff gets all the credit for putting his head down and just working and turning his fortunes. But the second part of that is that the Lions wrapped their complete everything around him and just made made it work. They made it fit because it did not fit when it started. It did not fit. And I know that Brad Holmes said what he said about Jared Goff, and I, I who am I to say otherwise? I mean, I think he brought up some great points about I saw what he went through in LA and I saw the mental toughness and we've, you and I have talked about, you have to read between the lines with Holmes sometimes. That means I saw him get his shit reamed out by Sean McVay every single day and have to stand there and look like that zombie guy who had, you remember that where he had to stand there with McVay screaming in his ears and I saw him take it. So I'm pretty sure he could take anything. And that is what I think we've seen more than anything. The second part of that is the lions made it work. And to me, Colton, this has been, the greatest success of the season is that they did in fact a lot, you know, help Jared Goff play the best football of his life. And there's maybe better football ahead for him. And I, I don't know what, what you say that, but he's the quarterback of the football team until somebody takes it away. And I think that that's a good thing to have because not a lot of teams have that. No doubt. You met, and you mentioned context, like the context for his first season um, was that he yeah. didn't have receivers. Yes, uh, who no, was he no. throwing to back then in training camp? Like, who were the receivers? It was like Tyrell oh, Williams, Rashad and... Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Rashad Perriman. Uh, Khalif was the because they were not really ready to give St. Brown. It took you know right. a couple weeks for that to even happen. So yeah, it was yeah. rough. And <laughs> his weapons were like just bad. And, and they got Hawkinson Reynolds was midseason. Yeah. Yes. yeah, they didn't get Reynolds yeah. until midseason. Yep. St. Brown didn't come on until second half. Like. And, and honestly, like, I remember looking at the numbers before the season, like, his second half was good last Very good. Year, and it's like, mm-hmm. huh, I wonder if that can translate to 2022 if you have more weapons around him. And it right. turns out it, it does. Um, and so they tailored this offense, like, to fit his strengths. Yeah. Like, I think we talked about it um, maybe a month ago. Like, it's not so much a scheme. Like, the scheme is is golf, like, in right. his, his strengths. Um, right. Like, the what offense we do well. run is, like, yeah. what, what he does well. Like, and that's what – I think that's what it should be. You shouldn't try to squit – you shouldn't try to fit um, with any quarterback. You know, right. a peg into a round yeah. hole, right? Like right. it's you do what works for your players, and um, w- with golf, that's 
you know, that's a perfect example of him finding success in a, in sort of this offense that's yep. tailored around his strengths and yep. giving him more weapons and letting him know you guys are on the same page and talking things out with him, having that relationship with, with Campbell and Ben Johnson mm-hmm. um, has been so important for his turnaround this year. And it's to a point where, you know, Holmes was asked, you know, what's the decision on golf? He goes, I don't really know what the decision is. Like, yeah, what are you talking about? I was about? always confident yeah. in him. He's our quarterback. Like, <laughs> I never really deemed him as a bridge. Like, word for word is what he said. And that's true. He didn't. You know, he's like, I think everyone else did. We um, did. Which, <laughs> also true. We did. We did. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard not to, right? Like, no, based yeah, on where course. he's coming from. Like, yeah. Like people, I know people want to say, "Oh, golf was always good, guys." Like, he was a turnover machine at the end of his Rams tenure. Yeah, it was to his best. credit. He is like he broken. iron yeah. that out of his game. Right. He hasn't thrown an interception in his last like nine games or 324 pass attempts, which is like the fifth highest in NFL history, which is just right. insane what he did the second half of the season this year. That's a credit to him making a conscious effort. I'm not going to turn the ball over. I'm going to be smart with my passes and my decision making. And it helped the Lions get to where they were, like him not yeah. turning the ball over, to playing, playing clean football, getting it out to his playmakers, um, you know, having the offensive line protect him. Like that's – that's all great. Like that's what we wanted to see from him, and he's done yeah. it. And he threw twenty nine touchdown passes, seven interceptions. I think there were like eight eight passes of his that were like downed at the one yard line. Yeah, which that is like could have insane. been like, right, which is so crazy. Could have been well yeah. into the thirties. Um, so that's the sort of year that he had, and you know, again, a lot of credit goes to Campbell and Ben Johnson for like getting the most out of him, but. A lot of credit should go to golf too for turning things around because like that's not easy yeah. to go through what he went through in LA. Like you're the number one pick. You have all this hype around you. Like the Rams traded up to go get him, like in right. 2016. Um he was supposed to be the one that kind of led him to a Super Bowl, and he did, but he he also was a guy that they deemed that, you know, wasn't good enough to kind of get him over the top. And they shipped him off to Detroit, you know, a losing franchise, and he goes from LA to that and you know, the winning to this. And, you know, he could have just been like, whatever, man, like, I'm just mm-hmm. waiting two years until I can find another team. He could have done that. He didn't. He said this offseason, their last offseason, you know, winning here would be special and being the quarterback of the team that turns it around would be special. I don't take that for granted. And then he went out and he started one and six. And he was a big, big reason why they went eight right. and two down the stretch. Him taking care of the football, making smart decisions, looking like the quarterback that the Rams draft in 2016. So, he deserves a ton of credit for the way that he kind of rallied the troops and, and turned things around and being a quiet leader for this guy. I know he's not big the big rah-rah guy, but yeah. you could tell those dudes like like him in the locker room. Like every locker, post-game locker room video, Goss started to be in the middle of those at the end. I saw that Goss Bugs is sitting of, by him now. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Bugs likes that because Bugs, no. we always have to gather around his locker room. Bugs is like, man, I got to go wait off here for 20 minutes until this dude wraps up. <laughs> But, uh, yeah. I mean, man, like, credit to Goff, again, just for yes, what he's done yes. this year. And, you know, now we can talk about him, you know, being the guy for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what that means because Holmes, like, to be clear now, he was asked about the idea of having, once you have a guy like Goff in place, the idea of drafting another young quarterback to kind of either groom him to be a starter eventually or at least groom to be a backup. and right. He didn't rule it out, so that's always going to be something to monitor with him. But in terms of being the starter in 2023, like Goff has very much proven that he is the guy right now. Yeah, I think it's a a great. He I keep saying this, but he and Geno Smith are the great example right now of judge a player by what he shows you mentally and physically, and not by the historical sort of like path of his position if that makes any sense, because oftentimes when guys we're seeing right now with Zach Wilson and obviously his situation is different, but like, you know, you're going to get to a point where it's like, well, you're, you're at a certain year with him. Right. So you got to make a decision has to happen or you're out. Right. And it's like, part of that is real because of the contracts and the way that those things are structured and everything else and the way the league is set up. Uh, And part of that is the teams do that to themselves uh, with the way they draft Mm -hmm. these guys. But it's also like, so many coaches have said this to me over the years, and it's a thousand percent true. A quarterback does not typically find his best football until he's like 27. Because that's when, and Jared Goff said this the other day, a couple weeks ago, and that's what caught my attention. He said, I know when Ben Johnson sends a play, and I know, you know, 
I know what the hots are. I know what the coverages we're looking for. And I know why he is calling that play. Yes. I know exactly why, why he's doing it. I know what we're trying to do. And I know what, if we're not getting, you know, if we don't get that, this, this is what we're going to. It's that's it right there, man. Like, that's the whole thing. And I'm telling you, guys can talk about. You know, college quarterbacks always get that. You know, this game's slowing down for me. You know, I mean, it's a really seeing it. No, okay, you're not, but that's great that it's slowing down for you. You know, and then because they get to the league and it's a whole other thing and it starts again. And you look at the greatest ones ever to do it, and it is still it's their first couple in the league are still kind of shitty, like almost almost without yeah. exception. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, that's just how it goes. It takes a while and. I don't know what it's going to take for the market to change or whatever with the quarterback situation, but something's got to happen because this the, the way the Lions and the 49ers are doing it, that's what you do. Uh, Holmes said it the other day. It is a lot easier to get worse at quarterback in the NFL than it is to get better. That is like mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan said that thing a couple years ago about how there are not 32 people walking this earth that could be starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Why are we paying yeah. 32 of them like they are? It's the same concept, and I think that that, more than anything, is what I tell people when they say, why should I be excited about the Lions? Look that quote right there, because that's modern football. Stop listening and looking and freaking out about what numbers have told you about numbers are there to support and give you as much data and information as you need. Reality is reality. Your eyes are still the most important thing, and that's, I think, that what we're seeing more than anything with the Lions here. They're it's hard not to be sort of like encouraged by where they're going. And I think that Goff's a great example of that. Didn't Peyton Manning throw like 28? Yes, it was like an NFL record. (laughs) He had a bunch of touchdowns, but it was still like, it wasn't good. Can you imagine Peyton Manning's rookie year happened in like the social media era? Oh my God. God, They'd be ready to ship him out of town already. Look at now. Hey, people were, people were, uh, that was Ryan Leaf. Was the year before, and it was that well, maybe uh, and Leaf was Leaf sucked too, so that really actually helped me. Yeah, he did. But it took yes, Tom Brady was around at that time, and it was like, well, Tom's fucking this guy can do it. Why? Should... Yeah, so like that stuff happens, yeah. and we give up on quarterbacks because you see, because people see Mahomes or they see Brady back then, right? Or they see guys that Fields even a guy that takes. Oh my God, look at this Fields, guy. Yeah. he's so young. Look at him. Oh my God! Like stop! Like you stop throwing all your money at a twenty-year-old and asking him to solve all your problems. Like you know, this build a team and and let a quarterback be part of that team and let him find his voice. And that's like you said, he's been a quiet leader, but by God, he's found his voice, and they respect the hell out of him. The whole locker room does. I think that's the biggest takeaway. And I, you know, he had to earn that because everybody here had to earn that. That necessarily yeah. wasn't the case when he walked in the door. And it absolutely is the case right now. I think that, that you would agree with that. Absolutely. Um, and I would also say, like, just the way the Lions are doing this, like, I, I'm sure a lot of people wanted them to draft, like, Justin Fields. Probably so. Drafted Sewell. Probably not so anymore, though. Like, just the way that what, – what Sewell did as a foundational piece for yeah. this team and where he's at now. It's a great pick. Uh, last year, there wasn't a quarterback worth taking at number two. Mm-hmm. But still, they didn't go and get one anyway, like later on. I I think that's – last year in terms of those quarterbacks, I think that was a good decision. Like this year, we'll see what happens. But I just like the way the Lions have done it where they fix – you know, build from the from the inside out, I guess. Yeah. And um, Right, 100%. With, with the offensive line, with the defensive line. Now you can shore up the defense this offseason if you want. Um, get, that, get that side of the ball taken care of, which is what Brad Holmes said. Like, look, our, our defense was ranked – 30th in scoring and, and 32nd in, in yards allowed. Like, I, I don't think it's a secret that we need to shore that side up, that side of the ball up this right. offseason and use our resources there. So if you do that, two first round picks this year, you, you can, you can do that. You got two second round picks. You can do that. Um, build the team out. Like, right. Build the team. Build the <laughs> roster. Holes, build the roster. Keep supplementing the, the roster with talent. Um, and worry about the quarterback later. Like I've said this, I said that at, at midseason. I'll say it again now. If the Lions can get to a point where the Chiefs were without Smith, where they realize, Boom. look, we can take this thing to the next level, um, we're only quarterback away. If they determine Goff is not the guy That's like right two, there. three years from now, yep. sure, then you can go and make, and make a move. But in terms of where they are right now in their trajectory, they're not there yet. They haven't even made the playoffs yet. Like, right. Get to the playoffs first. Um, figure out where Goff can take you. Because, you know, may, maybe he can 
lead you to he's led a team super bowl before maybe if you get the right piece in place he can take you there again who knows but if not you can make that decision in a couple of years and no rush to make it right, right now and i think that's the most important thing the most important takeaway from this like golf just threw damn near 30 touchdown passes and the, the next guy coming in after him might not get yeah. anywhere close right almost 4500 yards this year yeah like there's no guarantee that the next guy will be able to do that no and until he <laughs> deems that he can't play at that level anymore keep him around yeah. Like that's 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 kind of how I'm viewing it at this point. Rule number one in efficient rebuilds would be don't fix problems that aren't there. Or don't worry about yeah. trying to patch holes that don't exist or chase ghosts, and that's what that would be because you know, you're constantly changing people's statuses on the board, but he is not in the problem column, you know? Like he's not. No. That's not a problem. That is a that is a comfortable solution and a and a person that is now earning, you know, for earning his money, you know, frankly I would say uh, because he's you know, that, con- really that good. contract might look like a value. Yes, in, in and they years. reworked it and everything else. And I think that more than anything, because now you're at a point where all parties have sort of shown golf was, you know, at rock bottom there when when he showed I need help, and they they gave it to him. And then when they asked him, it was so it's both sides of it. I actually think they're at a pretty good spot if they want to do it this year, and I do think that they should. Uh, to draft a young quarterback and let this kid grow and let him and do the thing that like you're kind of talking about. That's your guy until somebody comes and takes him. But don't be afraid to draft a 21, 20 year old and say, this is a unique environment. This is not what the Panthers or somebody else or the Texans. This is not that we're taking you and you're sitting here and you're going to learn the game. And Jared's going to be part of that too. And that's what we're paying it for. I, I think that that's not something we see almost ever. And I don't know if that would actually work because egos and everything else have to play part of that. But like, I do think they have the right type of system to where something like that could be doable to where, and we've talked about this before, how do teams that get good and stay good do that? This is how, like, you know, the Ravens are never a bad football team. Why? Because the replacements get trained by the guy that has the job. Like, that's what happens. And I think that this is now an opportunity for the Lions to do something like that. I don't know what it would look like. I don't know if that involves Anthony Richardson or not or whatever, right? But, like, I do – that's something I've thought about a lot in recent weeks and days and whatever. I don't know if you have as much, but I have for sure. No, yeah. I I do think the Lions of any team could make this work. Yes. I think they're one of the only that could, frankly. Yeah. The leadership that they have in place, like the culture that we saw established this year. Mm Mm-hmm. I think they can make it work if they want to go that route. Now, like like you said, I'm not sure if that's Richardson at uh, yeah, I don't know what that was their second pick. Like he yeah. might not even be there for all we know. Uh, but we've said like they should bring in a young quarterback regardless. Like you got to groom a backup here. Like, you have to have a backup anyway. Yeah. Or Sudfeld. Yeah, you don't even know his I don't, name. I don't think Sudfeld is the guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think Sudfeld is the guy. Um, probably not. So, God love Nate Sudfeld. Maybe like not. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a Hennon Hooker, like later. Well, on. right, yeah. Right. I mean, there's guys. There, there are guys yeah. in this class that I think you could do that with, and and I think it's important to note, like, it doesn't necessarily have to be this class either, I guess. But it's like that. I think that's something that would be wise here in the next year or two. Would be and Holmes pointed to Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, um, and and there's been so much made about Aaron Rodgers throwing a fit about all that, and if they had just told me, I wouldn't have thrown a fit. Okay. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that is true. But I think that, like, there's something to be said about if Detroit was to do something like that, Jared Goff, I think, would be told about it or whatever. I think he would be involved in the conversation. Yeah. I also don't think he's the type to rock the boat. Like, No, I think (laughs) Goff would be like, whatever. Like, I think he's grown up a ton in the last two years here. Like, he talks about adversity all the time and the toughness, like. Man alive, that guy went we've, we've talked about it. There are a few players in this league, him and Geno Smith are it. Who it was if you don't take advantage of this, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Who's gonna hire you? Who's gonna you'd be in the XFL? Where, where would he have been? If that if this thing had flopped one and six, you're out, Sudfeld's in, it's that bad. Like, oh my god, like he'd be done. And so that was the pressure. And he, he so I don't know. Great year from Jared Goff. I mean, it was just We've crashed on him a lot, so I, I want to make sure that we <laughs> we give him his uh, his desserts on that as well. Other thoughts you from to, you? What's that? Go ahead. I was going to say, you had your week one story ready to write him off. 
Well, I mean, that was alarming to me because that's the other thing where it's like, these are things that we can't see again. And I was, I was concerned yeah. that it was going in a bad direction. However, I would say context comes up again because as you're reminded as the year goes on, in those early parts of the season, they were chasing points because they knew the defense couldn't hang in, right? And it's like, well, fair enough. Yeah. And I think that that's you know, a heck of a performance by him. Any other um, any comments or stuff that we talked about from guys in the immediate here? Um, I know Jamal's been talked about a lot in terms of his future here and all of that. We talked about some of that, but um, you know, they, they have a little bit here until free agency. I think that that's going to be something that will be interesting to watch as well. Uh, what they spend, who they spend on, all yeah. that sort of thing. Holmes said they were going to be smart with free agency, which it seems like he's just trying to stick to this this plan that he's had in place for a couple of years now, which is we'll try to bring back some guys that we like. We'll try yeah. to add in That's certain good. spots that we feel we right. can add, but we're not going to go crazy. I, I well, think they have like twenty seven. But he did right say now. he did uh, say bring back some of their guys. Something about big ticket items, like if those exist. Like if if it makes sense, we will explore those. And I would, and that's why I want to talk sure. about this for yeah. a second, because last year they did explore uh, Allen Robinson. They did. They explored spending big money on him. In fact, we know that from reporting. Um, but for the best, that didn't work. Yeah, out. yeah, right. It was for the best. It didn't work out, and, and I think it actually ended up. And I remember when it happened. Chris and I were talking about it actually, just amongst ourselves, and I was like, God damn, if they that would be not probably uh exactly what i would con- what i would consider as part of the plan but as you saw that go and you saw his number go up 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 there they went immediately like okay we're out it, it immediately okay. went beyond a number and, and yeah. that was my recollection of it from what i remember hearing in this case i think you you maybe see something similar but maybe that number's a little higher right with some of these guys so it's like i think that i think that they'll kick the tires and cast a pretty wide net here um, and I think they casted a wider one last year than people probably realized. It was just like, it really has to be a perfect, like you're going to have to take less and also take on a leadership role that maybe you're not comfortable with or whatever. Now, you know, I'm not sure that that would necessarily be all the way into the conference. The leadership part, I think that's a non-starter, like you're saying. That's going to be involved no matter what. The character has to be there and everything else. But I think you'll be able to ride it out longer with money on some of these guys. And I think that's going to be yeah. the difference that people see. And you'll, you'll, I think you'll hear their name involved with more people. Whether or not they sign them, I guess we'll see. But I think you'll hear their yeah. name involved with more this year. You're not out of the conversation due to financial reasons. And right. also, I think they'll be in more conversations because of what they showed this year. Because some dudes were watching Hard Knocks. Because yeah. they saw what they did Sunday on Sunday Night, Night Football. Yeah. So... I think all of that's going to add up. I think some some people are going to be interested in playing in Detroit and playing for Dan Campbell. Like if I were a player and I'm looking at coaches, like I'm seeing those locker room videos, I'm like, that'd be a fun yeah. guy to play for. I think I'd want to play for him, you know? So I think they'll have their options. It's just a matter of how they want to spend their resources. Also weighing the guys that they want to bring back, like a John Kaminsky, like like a Jamal yeah. Williams, or um, like some of these other guys uh, that are free agents. Isaiah Bugs, another one. Bugs would Anzalone. be one too. Mm-hmm. Um, they have some decisions to make on, on some of these guys, but um, you know that's sort of the process with them. And how do you get enough guys and the right guys to take this next this next step forward? I think that'll be a question for Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell this offseason. So it'll be interesting. Speaking of next steps, and this will be the last one we talk about here this week, um, Ben Johnson, of course, and Aaron Glenn uh, on the interview circuit. Aaron Glenn, uh, just the Colts. I'm not sure if there was another one that I saw for him so far. Uh, Johnson, Ben Johnson, who we expected – uh, to get probably more interest this time than AG gets the Colts interview, which hasn't happened yet. I believe, has he already interviewed with the Texans, or has that not happened yet? I think he did the Texans. He did the Texans. Time, yeah. Colts are on the docket at some point. Um, Broncos, Panthers. Panthers are too. Three? Yeah. Wow. Okay, so Ben Three. Johnson making the rounds. I tweeted this the other day. Um, he's going to interview really well. Uh, I think we both would agree with that. Uh, I think Ben Johnson is is a quieter Dan Campbell. I think they're very similar. Um, it's not quite as much, right? <laughs> like when I say quieter, I mean like smaller, <laughs> not as loud, not as caffeinated, but also a pretty, in, also pretty and intense, <laughs> a pretty intense guy who's very positive, who thinks like a player, is a former player, is really really smart, and is all about 
I think like building an offense that revolves around whatever the current roster does best in that moment, which means yeah. he pulls the hood up on every single player. Like when we, Chris and I had him sit down with us to do film, he was telling us stuff about um, like Reynolds and Sharp down to details about coaching points on like where you should have your hands pointed when the ball is here is the most, you know, all of these things. And it would all show up on tape. We saw it like wow. all year, these little things. Super detailed, smart guy, but also a guy that guys, that players like, and they gravitate toward, they trust. And I think that he shows that back to them. He's an emotion. He can be emotional, not afraid to show that. I think he's going to interview really, really well. And I didn't know about, you know, and I thought the same thing with AG last year. And it's going to be the same thing. I, I don't know if, if the lack of experience in any capacity is going to matter. And I think with Johnson, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, it's offense. I have no idea. I I, I think he's going to interview well, but it's also like he has no experience. And I don't know what, what all that's, what to make of it all. But your thoughts on the carousel here as it uh, returns to the Lions. Yeah, I mean, just based on, on trends we've seen in coaching hires, yeah. it's like he kind of fits that mold, right? The, and then the, the offensive, offensive guy, guy is going to get the chance over the defensive guy. I mean, that's of course, yeah. Like that's sort of a, it's been a thing for, for forever now. Right. But I guess my question with Johnson, I said this midseason in a mailbag, but it's like I guess I don't know. I, I trust his, his ability to craft an offense towards his personnel. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he can get in the middle of a room right. and like grab the attention of every player. Exactly. Like, like you see with Dan Campbell and some of these other coaches across the league. Um, you don't always need that. Like a Mike McDaniel, like he's proven he can be like this sort of quirky nerd. <laughs> yeah, that, right. Like, people like well, you got to be that. good though, right? Like that's the difference. But you got to be yeah, good. Right. Yeah. So if you don't have the sort of like every man, like mm-hmm. locker room type of presence, you got to excel in other areas, which he does. Right. Um, as we've seen. But, you know, head coaching is so much more than just like oh drawing up a, a hook and ladder on, on third down, you know, right. like it's. You gotta you gotta know how to build a roster. You gotta know how to manage egos. 100%. You gotta know and personalities and all these other things that come with being a head coach. And that part is like still unproven to me. And it's only because we haven't seen him in that role. I'm sure he's probably great right. behind the scenes. Um, but that's something that he hasn't done in that role yet. He's not even like the assistant head coach with the Lions. So it, it's tough to say how he would do in that area. But what you are getting is a smart offensive mind who's young who can relate to players. And uh, like we said, can craft an offense around the talent that he has. And for some of these jobs that he's interviewing for, like Panthers, Colts, Texans, mm-hmm. all three of those teams need a quarterback. Yes. Um, and all three of those teams are picking in the top 10 and will have a chance to get one. So I, I assume that's appealing to him to be able to go, I want that guy. Like even oh, if it's yeah. the Colts, they're at four, yeah. they can trade up to, with, with the Bears. And, Colts would be a great and job. Try to get number one. Yeah. yeah. And be like, I want that guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to be able to grow with that guy. Um, Houston I think will some of these teams like have that in mind. I think Houston yeah. said they wanted a young coach to be able to grow with their roster. Yeah. I think Johnson fits that mold, especially if they go quarterback at Oh my god, they would they're so. going to be so young, the whole team. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So some of these fits like people are like, "Oh, why would you want to go to the Panthers?" Well, he's grew up in North Carolina, so that And sense. they have a good um, offensive line and they're young. Yeah. Like yeah, right. And they're young. Why yep. would you want like Why would you want to go to the Texans? Well, the Texans are <laughs> like you can that team. <laughs> how, yeah, there's that. You can tailor that team however Any you, way you want. want. A veteran yeah. team with all these bad contracts everywhere. Like you can reshape that roster Absolutely. in your own vision. With the Colts, like again, their position to get a quarterback. Like they were competitive a couple years ago. I think the roster is still in good shape. I do too. I think Nelson, some of those dudes, a couple tweaks here and there, and you're ready to go. Away. Yep. I know they look terrible this year, but Jeff Saturday probably well, has to do with yeah. that. <laughs> Um, (laughs) so like, I, I think some of these teams make sense now, whether one of them pulls the trigger or not, like we'll see. Um, I I know the Lions don't want to lose him, but at the same time, Dan Campbell's not a guy that's going to like prevent his coaches or try to like hold them hostage if they don't, if they don't have an opportunity. Yeah. He's the guy that said, I want you to go out there and get a job. I want all my guys to get the opportunities that they want and I'm not going to hold them back. I'll do everything I can to make it happen. So. The biggest thing with guys in his situation, it was the same for Aaron Glenn last year. It's not anything to say with him or whatever, but like if you're a one-year coordinator like that, AG had been around for a while, I guess, so it's not the same for him. But if you're a one-year coordinator like that, like um, you got to learn how to counterpunch too, right? Like, I mean, that's what a head coach is. And, you know, this year 
featured a lot of hunting with Benja. I mean, they were out there trying to score points. They're out there like, I don't give a shit how we're being covered. Let's go. Like, the, you know, and they surprised teams. They came after teams. They had that great line. Next year's going to be going to have its own challenges, right? No matter what, even if he's here or not here. And like that's experience that you're talking about a head coach now. That's the thing where, you know, these guys get questioned a lot of are you and that's the thing where you just don't know, I don't think, until you've totally been in the soup. I mean, Campbell is the greatest example. He was never a coordinator of any kind. <laughs> right? He did not do that. And it was just like, you're not going to know it until you're in it. And like some of that is just feel and everything else. But I would say before we wrap up, Colton, that last year when um, AG was interviewing and Campbell was, super, you know, talking to people about that, he was like worried, like the color would go out of his face. <laughs> you know, he would like drain pale, like, uh, <laughs> like we're really in trouble if um, if Aaron leaves, because I really don't. I don't think we used, we would say like, well, Pleasant will just get it. But as we have seen, I'm not totally sure that Campbell was like, I don't know if that's exactly what we're going to do. And Aubrey might've left too, might've gone with AG. So like, it was going to be a challenge if he'd lost him, especially after all the growth they made with those defensive players. This, however, when he talked about Ben Johnson, super excited for Ben, the same that he was with, with, with him. But I, I did not see the pale return for Dan Campbell. The, the flesh color stayed in his face. So, I mean, like, he did not seem as worried. And I think that concern, I don't want to lose good. him, yeah. but I'm not panicking here. And I think that that's what I got from him, right? Did you get the same? I, I didn't, he'll have answers, but I also kind of thought he was like, hey, I might have some people that might call me, want to come work here, you know? I, yeah. So we'll be okay. I think that was what I heard from him. That's good context on AG last year because I didn't I didn't realize that he, he was horrified. <laughs> Campbell was horrified. Yeah. <laughs> it was at the Senior Bowl, and Chris and the rest of the beat writers will tell you. I mean, he was like shit, guys, and he was honest with us. He says Campbell, he can't lie. He doesn't know how. We were talking to him. Yeah, we were talking to him on the street actually one day outside something, and he's like, "Guys, I gotta tell you, I don't know. I hope he gets a job, but I also hope he doesn't because I am freaking out right now. Like this is not okay." <laughs> and he was like, "I'm gonna be lost without him." Like that was what it felt like I, I need him as much for the culture of this football team as I do for the defense. That's what he was talking about with that. Yeah. This is not that. Right. And I think we talk about you're going to miss Ben Johnson's play calling and ideas and rapport with Jared Goff as much as anything else. You are not going to miss. You're not going to lose your offense and you're not going to lose an identity. If he leaves, I, I you're just losing an elite part of your team, which is a problem. Yeah. You get the bill. But you're not like screwed, and I, I think th that's the difference. I, I probably wanted to explain here to people. Yeah, and I, I wrote this on my story that that published Thursday. Like Johnson was always saying, "Look, whenever we add a wrinkle late in the week, like some of the things that you see late in the game, like the Sewell catch, or yeah. probably the hook and ladder too. Like that stuff that they talk. It's it's always Johnson. It's always Campbell. Those two getting together, saying like, yeah. hey, I think we can exploit this if the situation comes up in the game if we get the look that we want.' Right. So." As much as Ben Johnson deserves credit, like he's not the only one running the show, and mm -hmm. Campbell is like very much a part of this. I don't think I think that's something yep. that kind of goes overlooked. People don't totally really lost. know the dy dynamic there. You called it the Dan Johnson offense, which is yeah. what it was. Like it's both of them. That did not pick um, up Colton the way I thought it would. But no, <laughs> people did. <laughs> people didn't catch on yeah. to that one though. But yeah, I agree. I know. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, so I mean, of course he's going to be upset. You know, probably doesn't want to lose him obviously that's mm -hmm. that's a great coordinator but at the same time like i don't think he would be panicking in the same no. way if he lost ag you yeah. know defensive guy campbell's an offensive guy um i think he feels confident that uh what they put in place is something that can be sustainable with or without johnson um now who's the next man up i don't know yeah it, i guess that that's sort of the, the next yeah, question there either. if it's an outside, external hire um you know someone on the market right now that might change some things but if they go internal maybe it's a uh, Tanner Engstrom. Yeah, yeah, that Engstrom. could be one for sure. I mean, maybe Deuce gets uh, a look. Maybe Randall L too. I don't Deuce. know. I mean, maybe all those Ronaldo, guys get a look. They've, yeah. they've got some guys. So yeah. if they do want to go with an internal option, um, they could probably have some continuity and just like mm -hmm. say, look, we're not going to change what we did last year. This worked, Absolutely. This worked for us. That like, guy would have to, whoever the play caller is, would have to fit into them. I think that's the yeah. best way to say it, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. So if it was someone from that, the outside, um, yes. I think – if it was someone from the outside, that person would have to fit into what they're all doing. And that would include, yeah. like, 
you have to fit into the way that Deuce teaches these backs how to do this. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what mm-hmm. that to that level of we're not really changing anything other than like you're not bringing in an outside guy to run a no. brand new system. Like that's, no. that's not happening. So. And that's why I think this is going to end up in the long run if this goes the way that Campbell I think hopes it will. Because um, when people think back to the Saints Saints days with Peyton, um, he had offensive coordinators the whole time, but it was his offense. He called the plays because he wanted to call the plays. He, I think sometimes he didn't call the plays when he didn't want to call the plays. But it was always his offense. It was always whatever he wanted it to be, and it's always going to be Campbell's the way he wants it to be with every literal yeah. – every single thing they do. And I think that in time – I don't think Campbell necessarily likes that attention the way that Sean Payton doesn't necessarily mind that attention, we'll say. <laughs> but I think in time that will be revealed. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I actually I actually think Campbell does himself a disservice by not yes. taking more credit. I've been saying that. Quite yeah. frankly. Because I, I really do. I think that he is a hidden gem of sorts in that, like, and I think that if he were to take more ownership on that sometimes, like, to be more, like, vocal about how smart he is, guys like him who played the position he played or played in the trenches would be a lot more, in other areas, maybe okay with saying things. But that's any, that's another soapbox for another day and another podcast. <laughs> no, yeah. Even joking about, yeah. like, looking up and watching the wave when uh, yes. the Penny Sewell catch. Like, people what? thought he was serious for so long. Right. And it's like, guys, he's joking. Like, he obviously <laughs> was aware of the play call. Yeah. He's not he, he, watching the wave and drinking a beer. Like they're I know. <laughs> so I think you're right. Like he, he can take on a little bit more ownership of like this offense and say, yeah. Hey, I'm part of the, I'm part of this too, man. Um, yeah. But he doesn't intentionally. I think part yes. of that is like, you know, trying to get Ben Johnson a job. Like I he, do, knows yeah, he wants to be a head coach one day. I think that's part of it. And like, Hey, look, credit where credit's be, due too. Like, I think he tell he's, he's very clear. Ben's a huge part of this. We would not be yeah. where we were without him. We want him to stay, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah. definitely a different vibe. I think it's a, yeah. it's two different scenarios. I still kind of think it is. Like if AG were up for a job, even though the defense didn't play that well, if he were up for a job and right on the, as a finalist, I think if you asked him in an honest moment, who are you more nervous about right now? It would still be even. It would probably be Aaron over Ben. But probably. In any event, I guess we'll monitor all of it. Uh, there'll be there's never a shortage, Colton, of things to talk <laughs> about in the off season. Uh, I assume we're going to be on the week to week here for a minute. Uh, until they tell us otherwise. Um, but until they tell us otherwise, we will be here with you. Got anything else this week before we run off? No, I guess uh, one more time now that the season's officially over. Again, thank you for all the listeners out there. Absolutely. Been following along all season. Uh, really appreciate you. First NFL season for me. And I mean, I saw the ups and downs. Like, and it's, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you saw totality. Them, man. <laughs> it was uh, a bit of a ride there, but uh, it, was, it was really fun. Like, I'm going to have to go back and listen to some of these episodes, like at one and six to where we are now. Oh, God. It's basically two different seasons. And yeah. It's been it's been fun. It has. Winter or, win or lose, like, it's always fun for me to kind of get in here and, you know, chat with you, Nick, and then, yeah. you know, have people interact with us on Twitter and whatnot. So thanks for listening. Thanks for following along. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. You did a great job, Colton. Very proud. Very proud of all the coverage and the hard work and that you, you didn't get stranded anywhere in your travels, which is good. No. Because hey, we've all been there. But in any event, yeah, we will be here with you. And I, of course, thank everyone as well. When Chris started this, Chris and I started the show. I think we had no listeners, then maybe like ten, then maybe twenty, and now we're doing much better. So I appreciate everyone's following along for another season. And we will be, of course, with you through the draft, free agency, and all that good stuff. Uh, so once again, subscribe to the Athletic if you haven't already. Hit the follow button. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to them. For Colton, Chris Burke. I am Nick Baumgartner. Uh, We'll talk to you later.